When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts. It's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Good day to all of our marble heads out there there at In the Marbles Nation. I'm Matt Beamer alongside Preston Lude. And I don't know about you, Preston, but I'm having withdrawals here. Withdrawals? What? Like, oh, from oh, the season? For the first time all year, for the most part of the year, yesterday, I didn't watch one race. This whole weekend, didn't watch one race. That's because there was no racing. I know, but I'm having withdrawals, man. Oh, well, hey, man, calm down over there, okay? I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to. But we have a very special episode here at In the Marbles for you guys. We got Bryant Barnhill, a truck series, part-time truck series driver and late model series driver here at Myrtle Beach Speedway, going to be on the show with us to do a interview. Looking forward to that. And uh, But we're, Preston's back here, as stated. And Preston, how, how did last week go? How did training go? It was a long week. Now, was it worth it? Eventually, I guess in the future it will be worth it. I guess. Well, I mean, it's a long-term investment. Yeah, there you go. That's exactly what it was. I, I felt like I never got to go home, which was weird. I was just there all week long. Almost. That's a bummer. Well, that's a bummer. That's part of the job. It's part of the to job. See you at like one o'clock in the morning. That was nice Monday night. Oh yeah, yeah. That was a, that was a fun little adventure there. We're gonna have uh, we have some big news here. Big from the, news from the world of NASCAR it involves Jimmy Johnson. Yep. I knew that and, was coming. And I didn't think it would come this soon. I thought it was actually going to come a little earlier than it did, like, as far as last season. I'm actually, took me by surprise. I did not think, I mean, I, we all knew that eventually this was going to come, but I was thinking maybe, like, another season or two. I wasn't expecting him to come right out now and say, yeah. hey, next year is my last season. Storied career of Jimmy Johnson and this yes. guy. as a, And I got the stats here. As of... Today, the 25th of November, when we're recording this, 651 starts, 83 wins, 364 top 10s, and 36 polls. First poll being the 2002 Daytona 500 as a rookie. Mm. But here's what blows me away, and this is why he's going to go down in the Hall of Fame, and he's mentioned up there with the greats. Seven-time champion, one, two, three, four, five in a row. Yes. 06 through 2010. That was a big time in the sport. I mean, that was amazing watching him and Chad Canals just 
dominate that. Yeah. Four-time All-Star winner, four-time Daytona 500 winner, four-time Coke 600 winner, two Brickyard 400s, two Southern 500s, 11 wins at Dover, eleven or nine wins at Martinsville, eight Charlotte wins, seven Texas wins. Amazing to watch, and it's, he's going to be missed what, by me. Now, as part of those eight Charlotte wins, were most of those Coke 600 victories? Well, he has four Coke 600 wins. Okay, so it was just a... Yeah, I Still, mean, I know he was dominating at the track for when a while. It was, oh, when it was Lowe's Motor Speedway, he yeah. was. I remember watching him in 2002 as a rookie in the Coke 600 dominate that race. Mm-hmm. Just straight up dominated it. Yeah. And then he overshot his pit box a few times. Racers were won and lost in the pits. And proof right there. Lost a race, but right then, that really put Jimmy Johnson on the map for me. He's like, this guy's a rookie. And it was my second season watching NASCAR. And I already knew, wow, this, this is going to be big. Yeah. Unfortunately, I've never seen him win in person, but next year might be different. Maybe I'll get to see him win a race, mm-hmm. which would be great. But how do you think he'll be remembered in the sport? That was the time when he won all those championships in a row. I think that's that's what they always label him. That's well, I wouldn't say they always label him as that, but that was probably that would probably if they took a poll, that would probably be the most he's remembered by is that right there, all those championships right in a row. Right. But I mean, that's as far as I'm gonna say would probably be him be remembering him by is just those championships, all those championships wins between with him and Chad Canals, who Chad Canals, fantastic crew chief. Oh yeah. Man, I, I, I can't put a he'll be remembered as obviously one of the best at the sports ever produced. Mm-hmm. Looking at his then uh, then Bush series stats, you wouldn't think this guy would come from the Bush series with one win. Yeah. And just if memory serves me right, he finished eighth in the point standings that year in the Bush Series. And then go and right out the gate as a rookie in 2002, contend for a championship. Mm-hmm. And then started finding his niche in 2006. Took him five years. Yeah. Which I think goes back to like maybe a driver like Daniel Hemrick who let the guy develop. Yeah. And maybe he'll surprise you. Mm-hmm. But even then, right out the gate, he, he won first race in 2002 in California. And it's tough to say how he'll be remembered because you've really never seen him race dirty. you never seen him do anything. He, you saw him race hard, but yeah. you rarely saw Jimmy Johnson get in a fight with anybody. You know, he might go up and talk to a Kevin Harvick. I forget where. I think it was Chicago Land or Kansas a few years ago where he was trying to talk to Harvick after race and Harvick pushed him. But I don't, ever, I don't recall off the top of my head ever seeing Jimmy Johnson being the aggressor. Yeah. Or anything like that. But that's, to me, how he'll be remembered as an outstanding driver and an outstanding individual on the track who rarely let... He got mad, but he never let his emotions, I feel, get to him. Yeah, these, you know, these things, you know, when these great names retire, you know, like Tony Stewart and like Jeff Gordon, you know, Jimmy Johnson, I was never really much of a fan of him. I never really had too much of a problem with him, but I definitely will miss him when he finally leaves. I, and it's it'll just it's it's weird to you know as far as I go, growing up and you know Jimmy Johnson has been I've seen watch Jimmy Johnson race a long time and you know like Jeff Gordon when I was growing up I watched Jeff Gordon race for the longest time, and it's just it's just it's that weird thing that when they finally leave and it's just like man you don't want them to go but like you're also excited to see the next generation of who could fill in the seat and you know all these guys behind them at that point too. Which I'm seeing a lot of people in, in a lot of this just on social media, just who might replace Jimmy Johnson. And a few names, I got a few a list here of names that, that I saw the most on there. You have the Matt DiBenedetto 
which depending on if he runs well with the Wood, Wood Brothers. Brothers, whether he'll jump ship or not, then you have Daniel Hemrick's name came up quite a bit too. Because mm-hmm. I think he got shafted at RCR mm-hmm. for something else. But we've we've beat the dead horse on that one here. And Noah Gregson down there in Xfinity, this might be his shot come, tw- be, come 2021 right. to yeah. be called up. And Noah Gregson's a great driver. He is a very good driver. And he's shown it just running in the championship last year in the Xfinity series. And I think he might, he might be the up and comer here. Mm-hmm. I, I go back to this and, and we'll leave it at this. Cause we could have a whole episode dedicated to Jimmy Johnson and his accomplishments, but he's got one more season left. Yeah. And I can't wait to be at as many races as I can watching him race. But what's your favorite Jimmy Johnson memory? Ooh, I don't know. And that's a tough one because very, I, I, tough, I feel I like mean, I've seen him win in person. Well, that's awesome. You got so, one up on me. Yeah, it was Darlington. I can't, Recall the year. Well, I'm he has two of them. Time. I think he has, and I threw down my paper here. I, you know, honestly, I want to say it was. I want to say it was like 2007 or so. Well, he's got two Southern 500s, 2004 and 2012. Okay, so it was 2012, I believe it was. Then. Okay, no, it was four. Oh. It was 2004. Well, it was one or the other. I know. I, I'm very bad. If you had everything, a, just kind of runs. If you together, had a display you know? like mine, you could say, "Oh yeah, I saw Tony Stewart win the 2009." All-Star race. Yeah. It was probably the 2004 Southern 500, if I remember correctly. Wow. So, and it's tough for me because I've never seen him win. I've seen him at the Royal go for a win, spin out and hit Martin Truex Jr. on the Mm. final lap of the final turn. Oh, I totally, that totally slipped my mind on that one. And that was, and that was, that was pretty cool because I was thinking, I'm going to see one of these two drivers win and I've never seen win before. And then he spun out and said, well, there goes that. I'd say when I first started on the in the fire department, it was Homestead weekend in 2016, and I was in the back of the room watching Jimmy Johnson go for number seven. Mm-hmm. And the guys called me. They didn't call me out, but they said, hey, why don't you come watch it in the living room? And say, you know, I don't want to bother you guys. I'm the new guy. I don't want to bother you guys with the race. Yeah. And they said, no, come on out and teach us stuff. And so I'm explaining to him what's going on. And seeing him win, it's like, guys, you don't – this is – Huge. He tied Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt for for this championship, mm-hmm. and I, I'd say that was really cool seeing. But I, I watching him win all those championships and the dynasty that he had, it's just amazing. And he's going to be missed. So it was 2004. I just went back and looked. That was the year of the Hendrick Motorsports. There, that plane crash. Yeah. And so I I finally remember it because all the Hendrick drivers had that. They didn't run special schemes. It was just on the hood. They had the picture of, you know, everybody that they're remembering who right. perished. And that that's how I remember it. And Jimmy Johnson, I do remember remembering him win that race. And that was a big that was a big deal for Hendrick Motorsports at that time when they got yeah, that every, win. You ever know? since Martinsville was any win for them was a good healing process. Yeah. So that was a that was a big one. I do remember that one. And then uh going to that uh, another piece of news, uh Go Fast Racing and Corey LaJoy have not yet set plans for twenty twenty. Hmm. If I was Daniel Hamrick, I mean, Hamrick's going to Junior Motorsports for limited Xfinity schedule. Yeah, limited. What's to say you can't go go fast racing? The only problem with that is you got Junior Motorsports as a Chevy, and I think Go Fast is a Ford company. Yeah, that's. I don't, I don't the, know if that really. I, I don't think, know how I think, that would work. I think that matters a lot. It, you think it does matter? Oh, yeah. You want to see Kyle Bush go into the truck series, for instance, and. Yeah, run, racing, run a Chevy. Uh, yeah, you're right. Running a Chevy. To me, I think Toyota has their hands deep in racing, and 
to see an established driver like Kyle Busch run a Chevy would be just sacrilegious. Yeah. But you got any other news? That's all I I have no, seen. I, it seems it seemed pretty quiet ever since the championship. I haven't really heard much, you know, until that whole Jimmy Johnson. Well, the championship in itself. We're going to just switch over to NASCAR here. How do you feel about the championship? Are we talking we're, we're the talking, Cup Series or are we talking trucks here? We'll just go over all three. The overall just, weekend? We'll, we'll just say overall impression of the weekend mm. and then move in to more micro cups, Cup Xfinity and truck. I don't want to be that guy, but I'm going to have to be that guy. And I'd say that I'm ready for it to be at Phoenix at this point. I don't know. The weekend just, I don't know, like... They tried to play it up all weekend, especially when I was watching the cup race. I got to the cup race was the only race that I was actually able to watch the pre-race show as well. So I watched the whole pre-race show, which was like an hour. And honestly, it killed my mood when they talked about just a championship for all pre-race. And it's like, you know, we got 36 other drivers here. And then they paid homage to Paul Menard and David Reagan for like a 15 seconds as they were going to commercial. And that was it. And then that was the only two other people that they talked about. And then for that, Rest of the hour was just all about the championship four. And I don't know. It kind of, there's other drivers there. And then, like, when they were introducing the drivers, they had uh, Miami ba- uh, Miami Heat basketball announcer out there. And, like, they're, interview- they're introducing e- each driver and they're coming on stage and, like, nobody's really cheering. And it's like, I'm not sure what NASCAR is doing wrong here. Well, the focus is on that particular weekend is on those four drivers. Well, yeah, I can understand that. To that, an extent. That, that are going for that championship. but And that's the way the format is, and that's unfortunate. I can see your point. However, I would have to say, given that there were 36 other drivers out there, which one, other than maybe Kyle Larson, is the name that pops in my head, gave those guys a run for their money? I mean, those four guys seem to be up front pretty much all night long. Or were the other guys not racing for a championship? I'm going to go out here giving my all, but I've got nothing to gain or lose. We might... Like we talked about with Formula One, try some different stuff. It was weird seeing those four drivers be mostly at the front almost all race long, which is weird because in other races, those four guys you wouldn't really see up front most of the time, at least all of them together. Well, given that Harvick and Truex won before Homestead, Mm -hmm. they weren't up front during Phoenix really at all because whatever, whatever. They don't need to be. Maybe I could grab a few playoff points and... I mean, well, it didn't really matter. They were all getting reset to start Homestead. Right. But I don't know. I just... I mean, with Hamlin having to pull, I thought he would run so much better. Hamlin struggled all I night. I was a little disappointed at how Hamlin ran. But then mistakes happened where Hamlin put on that tape, mm-hmm. which killed him. And the, what the tape does for everybody out there is increases front downforce. It makes the car faster. However... There's a downside. There's on the flip side of that coin, it can overheat the engine, so you can limit air coming in, which overheats the engine and pushes water out, which then it can eventually cause the engine to seize up and not operate properly. Yeah. So when you have that gamble like that, and I saw him put that big piece of tape on, it's like that's a big piece of tape they're putting on that grill, and they're going for it. I don't. What, what else? You, you're not running well all night. What else have you got to lose? Yeah. And then they had to come in and do that, and you could just see the frustration on Hamlin's expression in the end car. Just, oh, my gosh, we just lost it. Mm-hmm. And then you had Truex, which really didn't affect him. He finished second in the race. The tires were flip-flopped. Yeah, The, oh, the right yeah. front was on the left front and vice versa. Mm-hmm. That was a big mistake. And it didn't really 
affect him in the long run. No. Because Cole Pern caught it fast, brought him back in, changed four tires. Stuff happens. Yep. It's racing, and everybody's human. Mm-hmm. Nobody's a water walker. Nobody can do anything perfectly. But the fact that he still finished second, I, I don't think that really was the point of him losing the championship. I mean, one might say if they were going really deep into it and say, yeah, he lost this much time, which equated, because there was only two stage cautions and then a half a spin caution. There were three cautions in the race. Yeah. So it wasn't like they were always bunched up, which kind of for me was, I wanted to see that late race caution to see what would happen. But mm-hmm. it, everybody was just racing so clean and not just the cup, but every series. I think the truck race only had three cautions as well. And in Xfinity, maybe had four or five. Yeah. But that was it. Mm-hmm. Out of all that race and all those laps turned, very clean racing on all of them. But then Harvick had stayed out a lot longer than he should have, hoping for that caution. He's given the trends in the last 30 laps, there was at least one caution. Mm-hmm. That trends don't always transpire into truth. Yeah. I, you know, I just, I hate to be that guy, but I mean, I. I don't want to say I was completely disappointed, but it was a uh, kind of a letdown. It wasn't disappointing to me. I think everybody raced clean. I think it was good racing, a lot of unpredictability. Everybody just kind of trying to just go for it. When I say everybody, the top four and the going for the championship in every series. But even like in the going to Xfinity, Justin Allgaier didn't run as well as I thought he would run. Mm-hmm. And Tyler Reddick just did what he had to do to win his second in a row, which was really cool to see and then Matt Crafton going to this and we hinted on it last episode mm-hmm. and I was trying to talk to everybody about it or mainly to Caroline about it or no I talked to Charlie about it I'm trying to I'm trying to remember when but I talked to Charlie about it mm-hmm. oh because, in the uh, interview last because week. everybody was mad a lot of people a lot of fans were mad that he won the championship without winning a race there's nothing wrong with that. Which goes back to the old point system versus the current point system winning in and all that stuff. You 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 look at that and it's like consistency still matters. Yeah, I listened to that episode and I listened to the interview with Charlie and I agreed on a good bit of stuff that he had to say. Like the whole consistency matters things and then you go back to the old point system and you know, he talked about as well, I do remember him talking about how like he doesn't. He doesn't think that NASCAR should do away with like the stages, but maybe like flip them around and have like the first stage the longest stage. And like I agreed with some of the stuff that he had to say. Right. You know, right. And, and, and you know, not winning a race in a season, but being there for the championship. I mean, who yeah, cares if you don't? Yeah, win I'd rather like, during like I've said before on this show. If you, I'd rather finish second all the time. Yeah. Every race. Mm-hmm. Win that championship. Vice. Win and wreck and or win and finish 10th and, you know, just inconsistent. So I'd rather have that consistency in the long run. And Matt Crafton did it, won his third series championship. But I found that weird how a lot of fans were mad. Yeah, I don't, you know, and, you and kind I'm of sure, wonder what the mindset is on some some of the fans. Like, And, you you know. can, and it seems like to me it's tough to make everyone happy. You can't make everyone happy. Yeah. And I think NASCAR is trying to chase its tail and now finally realizing they're never going to catch it. With trying to make everybody happy. Yeah, you know, we could we could dedicate a whole show to the point system, all these other things about NASCAR. I can go out and say right now that NASCAR's been shooting themselves in the foot. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're... Team ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. For multiple years now, but I don't want to be that guy. But I mean, I know I don't know a whole lot about the sport and how to run it, and like what you know, I would love to listen to the opinions of everybody. But like in my opinion, I just I feel that NASCAR, like you said, they're just kind of chasing their tail at this point, and they're I think NASCAR is kind of destroying themselves at times, and I I hate to see it like that. And I think with the with Steve Phelps coming in and Jim France taking it over from Brian France, who just totally demolished the sport, Mm -hmm. are now realizing that. You know, you can't alienate the old fans and the true diehard fans for new fans. Yeah. You, you can't force anyone to watch any type of sport or any type of event. Trying to make people enjoy it and trying to mold it in a way to have these guys like it, but then these guys might not. There's got to be a gray area, common ground. I mean, you know, like, I mean, between the both of us, I mean, we have two different opinions. I just... I don't know. There's just something right now, like after watching the last race of the season, I was just like, I don't know. I I think I'm okay with two months of this off season right now. I'm like, I don't know. I just, I feel mentally, I don't want to say mentally burned out from watching it, but just like, it seems like it's the same week in and week out, but it's not just the racing. It's like commentary in general. Like they try to play it up a lot when you're watching the race and it's like, they don't really need to play it up that much. Like they're really trying hard to hit it with, they try to make it sound exciting when you're watching the race, and I feel like they're trying too hard to make it exciting. And some people might be turned off on that, you know. I, I could I see, know. I could see your point to that, but then at the same time, they're there to to make it exciting. To make it exciting, I think that they're. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's weird. To, it's very hard to explain. I don't know. It, in my in my mind, it makes sense, but I have a hard time expressing in my mind how it really feels. I just know that. I'm okay with this offseason now. I'm, I'm not too worried about it right now. I'm, well, I'm not going to have withdrawals or anything like that. You know, once once we get ready, you know, I might watch the banquet, you know, the awards or whatever. But, you know, once we get to like February, I mean, excuse me, January, when we do uh, speed weeks or whatever, you know, when they start testing. Or that whatever, would be in February. Testing is in February now, well, too? That's- in the January, beginning of February. Yeah, but okay, you, so in the January. You mentioned Speed Weeks, and that's in yeah, February. Yeah, I, I was really looking for the uh, the testing first when they do the on-track for right. the first time, and, you know, I'll get excited again, you know, because it's Daytona. I like how they lead off with Daytona every year, but I don't know. It's well, weird. Either way, 2019 is behind us. On to 2020, it's been an interesting decade of racing, mm-hmm. and I think maybe next ep- if not next episode, later on in the off-season, we're going to – Run through the decade, and because there are tons of highlights. Absolutely, there's all kinds of things that happened all decade long, and we'll we'll give our special tribute to that. But we'll go to uh, rating the race, and I'm oh. curious to hear what you have to say about it because I rated the races not the highest, mm-hmm. but decent for the cup race. I gave it an eight. Okay, with a nine being memorable uh, for memorability. the memorability, memorability because 
Kyle Busch did win his second cup championship and got rid of that asterisk. See, that's another debate that we could have because I, you know, yeah, he won this one the way it should be, but, you know, that we could have a whole other episode debating on that first championship because I, I know a lot of people that don't think that first championship should have been, he shouldn't have even had a chance. I think under the old point system, yeah, he wouldn't be the 2015 yeah. cup champion. Mm-hmm. But he's still the champion. They said you got to be in the top 30 in points and win a race. Yeah. And he did that. Mm-hmm. He did that tremendously. He came back and won several races even before the playoffs. Yeah. So you can look at it like, yeah, maybe, maybe he shouldn't have won it. There's a lot that you could talk about. 2015 is etched in stone, and he is now a two-time, two-time champion. champion. Yep, mm-hmm. he's now a two-time champion. But I, ga- I gave it a nine for that, and then excitement, I gave it a seven. That was my lowest score with an average score of eight. I gave eights to the rest. You don't want to hear my rating at this point. Well, let's hear it for the cup race. For the cup race, overall, it's going to be bad. Five. That's, Sorry. Wow. I, I'm but, just speaking but, truth at but, this point. But why? I didn't find it very exciting either. I mean, excitement factor, I give it like a six. I don't know. For watching from, like I said, I'm rating I it mean, right off of the pre-race show all the way to the end. But what would have made it more exciting for you? Well, if they wouldn't have talked about the championship four for a straight hour, maybe 30 minutes would have been okay. But for an hour, that was already a turnoff to the, begin with. That was the focus of the whole race weekend but was the championship four. Yeah, I, I understand that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to play down the championship four here, but I just I feel like they really talked about the championship four way too much. And as far as the race goes, I don't know. It just, I don't know. It was just weird. It just, the race didn't seem that exciting I'm not the kind of person that wants a lot of cautions, but I want good racing, and there wasn't really a whole lot of good racing, as in, like, up near the front, at least. You know, I'm more of, like, to watch racing. I wish I could, like, they could touch on, like, mid-car drivers. You know, like, I wouldn't say underdogs, but, like, those underfunded teams, because that's what I... Ever since I've learned more and more about the sport, and I continue to learn more about the sport, I've become fans... I've become a fan of more of, like, the front row motorsports, you know? Right. Yeah, they're not up there all the time, but those guys... They work hard as they can, even though they're only finishing mid-tier, you know, 20s and 30 position, you know, 30th position. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know, those guys, I don't know. It's just, it's different levels, and it's, I know, I'm like a broken record at this point. It's just confusing, but I, that's just how I rated the race. I don't know. Just, it was just kind of a letdown. Let's put it that way. Everybody's entitled to their opinion, that's and right. I think that's Everybody's what's great about this. Opinion. It's like, we're com- seems like at certain points we're complete polar opposites on when it comes to rating races and stuff. And I know I know I don't have all the knowledge to really back up why I would rate it that low, but you know, that's just my opinion. I don't know. Okay. So but for Xfinity I gave it a uh, seven point eight. I thought it was again very memorable with Tyler Reddick winning his back to back championships. But then I, I was kinda like you, intensity seven, ex- excitement seven. I think cautions may have helped, but then it just you know, everybody that whole weekend and trucks all the way up to cup were racing very clean. Yeah. I don't know, you know, just I want to throw something in there real quick. You know, I'm kind of over having Homestead as the championship weekend. Maybe, I mean, I know the NASCAR wants to go to Phoenix next year. I don't know how many years they're going to do that from here on out. I don't know if they've really said. I wouldn't, you know, I would kind of be behind, like, maybe switching the championship up every year, maybe having it at a different track every year. Like, you know how, like, the NFL does their Super Bowl at, like, different stadiums right. every year. Why not have a NASCAR championship at a different track every year? I could see that. Mm-hmm. And I think they're actually having the cutoff race at Daytona, which is, I think, great because then that gives everybody a shot. Those go those underfunded teams 
the great equalizer mm-hmm. of favorite spacer racetracks and the super speedways to get up there and maybe you can win for a race for a championship. The Corey LaJoy's, the Matt Tiffs. Yeah. You know, we who won the Daytona race this year when it was rain short and even though he wasn't eligible, but he won. Oh boy. Um, I can't think of it offhand. I can't think of his name offhand either. So we're going to have to look that up here real quick, but I, I think that's great. I think that'll make the sport grow and make it a little more exciting for that cutoff race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because then you might get those guys, those surprise winners. You're always going to have the Kyle Bushes and well, yeah, Joe Gibbs run up there for knock, a championship. I don't want to knock those top guys at all. I mean, that's, you know, they're out there every week. They're running up front. They're competing good on them. I don't, I'm not trying to knock them at all. But then then the truck race, I gave it a 7.6 because, hey, it was Matt Kraft. I thought it was the most fun race to watch because Crafton didn't win the race, but he ran up there, did what he had to do to win the championship, third championship in the truck series. I thought that was very memorable. Oh, and or, to go back on that driver that you're talking about at Daytona, Justin Haley. Justin Haley. That's who so, it was. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, can you imagine Justin Haley being in the top 16 and, oh, he's win, he's going to race for a championship now. Yeah. Now, would he win? Oh, no, I doubt he'd make it out of the first round. Mm-hmm. But then that might bring in the sponsorship money to that team. It's like, oh, oh, hey, we'll put our name on your car. Yeah. To And then maybe try to run up there with those guys and then maybe – do a quick alliance with maybe a Hendrick or maybe a Gibbs or a Pinsky to maybe be a little more competitive. And that might, I, but I see your point. But I like that. I like that they're going to have to have a cutoff race in Daytona next I year. I think we could have a whole episode dedicated to just talking about the schedule and the point system in general because I have, I mean, I, I have a couple different. Things I wish that the point system would change at this point. Yeah, we'll we'll cover that. We got a long off season. We do. We have a long off season. You're right. And then we're gonna go switch gears to Formula One, where they're gonna race their final race of the season in Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. Yes. All right. Again, here we go, Preston. Five bucks. Who won the first race there, and when was it? I, I guess I owe you more money now because I don't know. Man, you owe me like thirty bucks right now. The first race was in 2009, so it's a fairly new track. Yeah. And Sebastian Vettel won that when he was racing with Red Bull. Okay. But then uh, you go on there, circuit length is uh, 3.451 miles, and they're going to race 55 laps. So the length of the race is 189.739 miles. I'm I'm expecting Hamilton to run up there, but for Stappen's come out swinging. But, oh, my goodness, did you watch Brazil? I did not get to catch Brazil. What a race. For Stappen won, Pierre Gasly finished second. Mm-hmm. snagging his first podium racing against Hamilton, who originally finished third, but then Carlos Sainz finished officially third after Hamilton and Alex Alborn's little two-to-go race incident, which Caroline didn't like, and I, I could see her point when she was talking about it, saying that should have been dealt with before the podiums because Carlos Sainz didn't get to spray champagne with the drivers as tradition, but I, that was a fun race to watch, and then Charles Leclerc and... Sebastian Vettel getting into it, a little shades of Rosberg and Hamilton back in Hungary. Just teammates going at it, man, and you're racing in that high a competitive area. And nobody, and I, I don't think Ferrari wanted to see and wants to see or any team in Formula One teammates getting into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I missed I missed Brazil. I feel bad for missing that, but I'm going to make sure I catch this race this weekend. Yeah. This race is Sunday morning at Looks like 8 o'clock. Well, so I have a I DVR. Will, I'm going to wake up early for it. I'll be up early for it. 
I'm not going to, I'll wake up whenever I want to on Sunday. I think we get off a shift that day. So oh yeah, that's right. I'll get home and watch that's it right. whenever I get home. But you got any other news, anything else from NASCAR? No, I'm just, um, cause we're coming up on our time to I guess bring in, uh, Bryant. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to bring him in. Yeah. I can't wait to talk to him. I met him at Darlington. It was just a quick little, Hey, I, we didn't even start the show yet. Yeah. So I met him. He signed his hero card. And then he's, I said, can you sign my cooler? He's like, yeah, sure. And I just found him on Twitter and said, when you want to be on the show. And he was more than happy, more than happy to get out there, which is what exactly what we want to do on the show. Get, get the lower level drivers and have that be our meat and potatoes in a sense and get their names out there. I'm excited to have him on the show. I I think he could give us a good perspective on some things because he races what late models. He races late models and he's a part-time truck driver. That's right. He has made a couple. I did remember seeing that he's he's made made a a few truck starts, not, not running crazy, there. not yeah. running crazy, but um, Brad Keselowski started the same way, mm-hmm. where he started in his lower level tiers, and now he's full time Cup driver. Yeah, hey, you and that'd be know. great That's to say. Brian could be. We talked to him before he made it big. Yeah, I think uh, I'm looking forward to it. All right, race fans, uh, we're here with Brian Barnhill, who's kind of nice enough to take the time to call in the marbles here. Brian, how's it going? It's going great. I appreciate y'all having me. No, no, thank you for taking the time, especially this Thanksgiving week, to call in and take a little time off your busy schedule to call into the show and get everybody get have everybody get to know you, man. <laughs> I really appreciate it. It means a lot. All right, so the first questions I like to ask a driver when he's on the show is, where are you from? What series do you primarily race in, and where do you mainly do your racing at? Uh, well, I'm born and raised in uh, Myrtle Beach, Conway, South Carolina. And uh, uh, right now I primarily race uh, in the NASCAR Wheel and All-American Late Mall Series at Myrtle Beach, but also uh, I race part-time in the Truck Series and uh, been kind of doing a little bit with that, and hopefully we're going to be doing a lot more of that next year. Well, that's good. Uh, you know, just um, following your schedule here or following your what you look like, it was kind of a hit or miss season. It looked like where you race right now, you're one of eight drivers in that seat. Yeah, over at Reun Brothers, uh, we have a lot of great drivers, and but uh, Josh Reun, who's uh, one of the drivers, but also uh, owner and manager of the team, he uh, he's been giving us uh, a lot of local racers as well as up and comers. He's given us a lot of an opportunity to kind of show our worth and, and give us an opportunity to really uh, get on the big stage but also work with a little bit lower of a budget. And that means so much to me and as well as other racers trying to make it in this sport. I think that's awesome. So he's more of a, uh, would you call him the developmental team uh, or just kind of a team to get out, get drivers' names out there like you? Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say that I was uh, probably the, the main venture of the, of the team really but it's it's kind of like taking that turn a little bit this year with the different drivers that we've had in the seat but uh it's been really awesome to get to work with guys like josh balicki who uh you know is now racing a good bit in the cup series and you know having other drivers that are in xfinity and cup and you share the seat with them throughout the year it allows for a driver like me who doesn't really get a lot of these opportunities to really you know learn from them and take a lot from their perspective of, you know, 
when they were in this position, they did this. It allows me to grow a lot faster and uh, perform at a lot better of a uh, rate than most up-and-coming drivers. Oh, that's awesome to hear. I, I'm glad it, it's kind of just a uh, like kind of a mentorship program for developing your driver career. Oh yeah, ab- absolutely. And that and that sounds pretty important, especially just the competitiveness going from late model to truck. It's got to be just nine and day. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's so funny to me because uh, I grew up racing at Marble Speedway, and the competition there, especially in the late model division, is it, it's insane. You know, averaging car counts around 22, I believe. And, but it's, you know, from first to 22nd, they're all racing for the win and it's some of the best drivers. And so having that as a local racetrack, you know, every week, even though I'm a local kid, you really had to come with your A game and try to battle with some of the best late mall drivers on the East Coast. And it was really, really tough. But when I made the jump to the truck series, you have this sort of chip on your shoulder that, you feel like you've already raised some of the best of the best that haven't really got their chance. And so you have a different perspective of racing, you know, other vehicles as you go up. And it kind of gives you this confidence that you know how to race somebody as well as how vehicles should react to certain things and whatnot. And, and honestly, uh, one thing that I love about the trucks is compared to a late model stock, they are a dream to drive for a late model stock. I mean, aero package, everything so much fun to drive. Was this learning curve steep going from late models to trucks or was it kind of just simple to get in there and adapt to it? Uh, it was it was a little bit steep at first, uh, especially you know going to certain tracks like Iowa or Gateway where you expect it to race a little bit like a short track, but at the same time, these trucks, you kind of have to hang it out there a little bit for the air to really pick up the side of it and be able to get drive up off the corner. And that was something I really had to learn with, you know, in a late model stock, you don't really want to hang that out there, especially coming from Royal Beach where you eat tires up. And so you know, it's something I had to kind of learn to do. And that's probably one of the things I struggled with is, is the air dynamics around the truck and it kind of working with that and knowing how to manage traffic. Okay. Coming from a short track, Myrtle Beach, where did you start? Uh, I take it you didn't just jump right into late models. Did you race anything prior to that? Uh, yes. I, uh, well, I started off in go-karts. Uh, their oval carts when I was about three, and I ran that until I was about uh, 10 or 11, and it just got to the point where we were spending as much in um, go-karts as we would, you know, trying to race a stock car, so we got a four-cylinder that I kind of learned the ropes a little bit with, and, and it was one of those things that I, after about six, seven races, I couldn't wait to get into something else, just because a part of it was I wanted something else, but a lot the other side of it was, well, man, I hated that Toyota Celica. <laughs> that was that was the biggest thing. I just, I remember looking at my dad. I said, I love racing and I love working on these cars, but man, I hate this Toyota Celica. Wow. <laughs> and uh, but it ended up working out because my dad, who he had been out the sport for a while, and he had a chassis kind of sitting there, and so me and him went through it and got it race ready, and basically we ended up racing in the Charger division the next year. And basically, that's like kind of your limited late model version at Merle B. And okay. so things just kind of took off from there. Uh, I just, uh, my first year ever running, we had to sign a lot of insurance policies, of course. And I couldn't even run for points because I wasn't old enough. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, my family. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. It's kind of told me that after that first year, they're, well, the first year they were kind of expecting me to lie back, you know, you know, count the laps down and you know bring it home safe. But that was not the case at all. I I wanted the oh, best way I knew to learn was to push myself, go out there, and you know not ride around the back of the pack, but get up there, run with the good guys, and see what I'm lacking to help you know kind of bring something else to the table and. Well, I, later my second year, I ended up breaking the record at Morbid Chile for youngest winner. Mm-hmm. And the previous elders of that record was um, Jeff Gordon, and then Trevor Bain broke it. Wow. And then I broke it at the age of 13. Yeah, I, I read that, and I was just trying to—I was going to ask you about that. I'm glad you brought that up, because I was just going to get a little more detail. But that's awesome. So beating Jeff Gordon at anything, regardless of what age, to me is, you know, you're on the radar. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, that's that's awesome. So the youngest race winner at Myrtle Beach. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's kind of unbelievable when you kind of look at the names that you know you kind of broke their record. Oh yeah. And uh, you know, getting to shake their hands and and now kind of in the sport, it's it's really unbelievable to me, and uh, it's something I definitely cherish. Oh yeah, I mean that's really a neat story because I mean just being in this. Mentioned in the same sentence, I'm sure as a driver, it's Jeff Gordon. It's like, I could do this. And I'm sure that gives you a bit of motivation to, yeah, I could I could run with these guys on Sunday, one day. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, it's this sport. It's definitely you have to kind of you know, take your wins and uh, really make them last. And, right. you know, just because you could be zero one weekend and zero the next, you know. And so you definitely it's easy to keep things in perspective as well as remembering some big ventures in the past and uh, looking forward to the future. Absolutely. And that's a good mindset to have because I would think as a driver and my, I don't, I don't have any driving experience except I racing. That's all <laughs> the driving I do. And even then I, it's not like it breaks the bank or anything, but I would, I would think from at your level, especially now breaking into the truck series, it would be kind of like you can be your own worst enemy at times. So, so how do you work around that? How do you block that out in a um, sense? Honestly, uh, I tell people all the time, uh, in racing, it's just as much as a mental and physical sport. It's, it's definitely a way more mental sport than uh, most other sports, football, basketball, you know, baseball. Just because, you know, as a driver, you're not just processing a lot of information in a, you know, tenth of seconds at a time, but you're also, you have to have this, <laughs> I like to call it, a little bit of swagger to yourself. You have to have confidence in you know, what you're capable of doing. And, and a lot of times it's really hard as a driver you know, to be able to kind of be able to flip that switch and become somebody who 
you may not be that day or what's going on away from the track. It's a lot, it's hard to do that. And not many people can. And you know, that, that's, that's one of the things that a lot of drivers struggle with is being able to flip that switch and have that mental state of, I can do this. The truck, car's capable of doing it. Just got to have confidence and the swagger to really go out there and get it done. So it's kind of an alter ego once you get into the automobile, whatever it is. It's just you put on the helmet and you just kind of put on a whole different persona. And then once you're done, you take it off. And Absolutely. So would you say Absolutely. Would you say it's tough for some drivers to turn it on? Is it tough for some to switch it off? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I see it with uh, some fellow drivers and stuff. Um, not just late model racing, but also in the truck series that I've raced with that, you know, they have this persona of who they are. But they always have that kind of, I say, cocky, competitive edge to themselves. And being in racing, you know why they are that way and so on and so forth. Just because you kind of have to have that cocky edge to yourself. But, you know, someone like me, I've learned to just kind of switch it on and off when I'm in the seat and so on and so forth. Just because, you know, I like to be myself. And I like to, you know, I'm a very happy personality. But at the same time, when I'm behind the wheel... I don't mind spinning out my grandma for a win. Okay, yeah. I mean, and sometimes you got to do that. I feel like it's kind of become a good old boy sport where you don't see a lot of spin someone out for a win. But I'm sure at, oh, your, yeah. at your level, you want to make a name for yourself, definitely willing to do that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. I'm sure a lot of drivers are like that. It's not necessarily – I know me as a fan love to – yeah, I'd like to see someone use the bumper to win if they're in that position. Yeah, and, and honestly, coming from a short track background where, you know, like I said, we're racing against some of the best of the best that they either had their shot at the top and, you know, things financially didn't go for them or, you know, whatever the case may be, it's some of the best late mall drivers in the country right at my back doorstep. And you kind of see how they race each other, and especially for wind. You know, growing up having, you know, more Beach in my backyard to kind of go and watch a lot of these drivers up and coming, you begin to kind of see, you know, what driving style is. Honestly, it's love in the sport. And you know, kind of bumping and running, you know, door to door, just kind of that style of racing. You know, you don't really see that a lot, especially on a little bit bigger tracks mm-hmm. on the NASCAR circuit. But whether you're a first-time fan or you've been a fan for a long time, you love it. Absolutely. I know. I, I Like I said, I enjoy it. You, you mentioned short track driving and that's your roots and I'm sure like 99.999% of the drivers that's their roots and uh I noticed doing some research on you you're a third generation driver could you uh elaborate mm-hmm. on that a little more I couldn't find any more detail past that yeah so uh this all kind of started back with my grandfather Jack Barnhill and he uh he uh just kind of did some dirt racing and stuff way back in the day, it's kind of local. And then uh, my dad and uncle, they got into it, and they were racing, and they were traveling from dirt track to dirt track, and you know, just kind of they're the they're the local good old boys. You know, they they had their uh, old Chevy Novas and you know, Camaros or whatnot, and they were out there Lakeview one weekend and uh, Dublin. I mean, you name it, they were there. You know, time went on. Uh, Myrtle Beach got paved to asphalt, and they began racing Myrtle Beach because it was. 20 minutes down the road and uh so they switched everything over to asphalt and they kind of doing that yeah it, it all kind of goes back to my grandfather who uh it's it's really crazy he used to uh promote Myrtle Beach Speedway and kind of manage it and so on oh, wow. back when it was dirt and uh 
the stories that I've been told are absolutely crazy. And not just from him, but also my dad. One in particular, my uh, dad was uh, just, uh, I'd say he was probably about seven, eight years old. He said he busted up in my grandfather's office, of course, you know, wanting some money for, you know, crackers and some <laughs> soda or whatnot. Now really think about who's in the room. And in the room, you have, like, Pearson, you have Petty's, both Kyle and Richard. Oh, wow. You have, you know, Yarborough. I mean, Walter, you know, they're all just in my grandfather's office <laughs> hanging out. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, are you kidding me? <laughs> this is crazy. And he was just like, at the time, he didn't really think of it. I mean, they're just, they're just drivers. And, you know, yeah, they were big, but at the time, they weren't Hall of Famers. And, I mean, of course, a lot of them were, you know, the best of the best. He, he was just like, we're just kind of good old boys just, you know, talking over the race that was going to happen the next day. I mean, <laughs> and he was like, that was about it. And so he just busted in there saying, hey, Dad, I don't care who you're talking to. Give me some money for some soda. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. That's, that's hilarious. That's awesome. You know, because, you, I mean, you don't think going that far back that those are big NASCAR drivers and coming down to Myrtle Beach, I'm sure they used to race down there sometime, or at least Darlington Week, and they were over there. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. So you were just kind of born into this, and uh, is that where your passion start, started for racing is with your dad and grandpa? Yeah, it really did, honestly. I mean, being a third-generation racer, I mean, a lot of my family, they did you know mainly local stuff and whatnot, and that's what I started off doing. But at the same time, I, I played other sports and basketball, football, baseball, you name it, I played it. And I don't know, it's just with racing, I had so much more of a passion for it. And I really wanted to put the work in and, you know, I saw the difficulties of it. And honestly, it just, it didn't discourage me. It encouraged me to really push on and, and get better. And, you know, it's not like other sports where basketball, I can go out, I can work on my shot, I can, you know, dribble and all that stuff. Anytime I want racing, you know, you don't really get a lot of opportunities to get out there and actually practice. I mean, yeah, nowadays you have I racing stuff, which helps out tremendously. But at the time, we didn't really have that. So it was just, I saw so much of a challenge with it. And it just kind of built up this passion being able to work with my dad and grandfather in the race shop and just get better, learn. And uh, honestly, around the age of 13, 14, I was like, I really want to make a profession of this. I was like, it's something I love, and I, I really want to continue doing this. And that's when it kind of really just, you know, started off for me, really. All right, that's awesome. So, I mean, I heard Kyle Petty say in a documentary a long time ago, what draws people into racing, and I'm sure you're kind of the same, that not everybody could hit a baseball well or a golf ball or shoot a basketball, but everybody knows how to drive a car for the most part, mm-hmm. except for your, you know, you're from South Carolina, so you know how we drive down here. <laughs> uh, except for some part. And then, so I think that's the kind of the draw saying kind of like me, the above average, go get them fan. Like I could get out there and show these guys a thing or two if I get my shot. <laughs> and I think that's really the appeal of racing. And you're just living the dream in my opinion. Oh, uh, I definitely see it that way as well. I mean, getting to, I, I would even tell myself because I work for, I have a young kid. I say young kid, I'm still young, but uh, you know, I remember spending a whole summer of 15 years old out at some guy's shop in the middle of Darlington, you know, just, just to learn all, all weekend and whatnot. And uh, it was just, it was just something that you just, 
it's it's a crazy crazy thing that you just kind of keep working on and uh become the abnormal driver so uh brian it's uh it's preston here uh i got something for you so we go let's go back here uh you race late models is that correct right now uh, yes, yes. Okay, so do you spend a lot of your time in the shop? Like, do you like to work on your car a lot? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, my late model program, that uh, our shop is based in Conway, South Carolina. I do everything on the car. <laughs> I have no employees, <laughs> so it, it's pretty much all me. And, uh, you know, every now and then I get some help from some family or whatnot. But, I mean, it's pretty much I do the setup, you know, any fabrication I need done, I pretty much oh. do it. Yeah, it's... I mean, setup is pretty much something that I had to learn uh, as I went on and, and learning from other people. And uh, it's something that I've worked really hard on being able to develop. That's It's kind of a different persona because when I'm on the truck series side of things, there's a couple of times doing it, I'm like, I was kind of telling the team, you know, hey, <laughs> what, what can I be doing? You know, is there something I could do? And they're just like, no, you're good. You know, just kind of be the driver. And I'm like, uh, I don't really know what to do with my hands, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you just kind of have that different perspective, and uh, you know. But we work on the late model and stuff. It's it's progressed my knowledge so much. So when I do race in any upper level series, when I'm either communicating with the crew chief or engineer, uh, it makes it so much easier for them uh, for me to tell them exactly what the car is doing, right. what I feel like it may need, and Having that communication level, it breaks so many barriers because a lot of teams they have confidence in what you say and you know what you feel behind the wheel, and as well as you know they know what you're talking about when you talk about making adjustments, but also hands on with the late model. So it's you kind of have that little bit of knowledge and expertise to kind of bring to the table. And uh, even though I'm still standing there not knowing to do with my hands, well, I yeah okay. No, oh, you're you're good. Beamer, go for it. No, no, I was just gonna say. I think that's awesome. That first of all, that you're the jack of all trades on your late model car. I, I did. I would expect you to have at least, you know, just from my inexperience of the lower levels, I'm getting better at that with this podcast. But you know, just I, I wouldn't. Exp- I, I thought you would maybe have like an, a little five man crew to work, but you do it all, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and. Uh... When we go to the track, we have a couple of guys that come and help us. Uh, you know, I, I tell them all the time we pay them with food. And, uh, you know, just some good old boys uh, to come and do that. And, you know, a lot of this I do with my dad. And he, he's he's meant so much to my program and helped me grow it and uh, really develop this uh, team, uh, Brian Barnett Racing, on the local stage. And, uh, honestly, he... He's been a, a main contributor as far as helping me out with stuff in the shop that you know, I still kind of struggle doing with by myself. You know, he's been a, a big help. <laughs> I, I'd say he's my full-time employee, but it's probably the other way around. Okay. Uh, yeah, Brian, I'm, I'm kind of glad you elaborated after I asked you about if you worked on the car and late models, and then you kind of transitioned over the trucks, and it's it's weird moving from late models to trucks and you have like a team there to work on the car and then you're kind of left, you know, trying to figure out what else to do. I mean, does it, I guess maybe you kind of get that sense of, Hey, you're racing in a different, I guess a a different level. I would say, you know, going from late models to trucks, do you, does it hit you right then and there when you have like more crew members to work on a truck now, you know, does it hit you that you're racing in a higher level? Does it make you like nervous at times? Uh, if you could kind of elaborate on that. Yeah, no, honestly, uh, 
it's really just one of those things that, you know, coming from a background where I was doing a lot of the work on the car and whatnot, especially setup-wise, a good friend of mine, Chad McCombie, who has been like a huge mentor to me in, in my career, he uh, you know, he basically told me, you know, when you're behind the wheel, you can't be thinking about who's getting your tires, what was the air pressures, and the stack, all that kind of stuff. And I've been able to work with that on the late model side of things to where it's not really much of an issue at this point. But when I got to the truck series level, it, it was so much of a burden off your shoulders to where you get to focus on one thing and one thing only, and that was driving. And, you know, really being able to focus on driving of the of the truck as well as, you know, your performance. And honestly, it's, it's so much of a burden off your shoulders. But at the same time, I will be honest with you get a little nervous at times, you know, because you don't get a lot of opportunities to prove yourself, and you kind of want to have a good impression on as many people as you can. And you growing up in the you know small town kid, you know, trying to race and whatnot, you kind of you had to have that work ethic to kind of show other people, hey, this kid really wants it. And so, not really having you know the ability or or I say ability. You know, the team asking, hey, do this on the truck, whatever. You're kind of standing there, like like I said, you don't really know what to do with your hands. But at the same time, the burden's off of your shoulders, and you really get to focus on driving and as well as my performance as a driver, and that that's such a huge help. Uh, another thing here, uh, so, you know, you're racing late models. Do you plan, like, do you have any future big plans? As in, like, do you want to keep running late models? Or are you hoping, do you have anything set in stone as far as next season for, like, the trucks? Are you... Hoping to run a couple races next year, or maybe more than that. Uh, yeah, uh, we're actually planning on doing uh, quite a few truck races next year. Don't really know exactly where or when, but you know, hope to keep doing more and more. And uh, it's just kind of one of those things. It's it's wherever our partners and and sponsors where they want to go and where the dust can benefit is kind of the goal for next year. And you know, we got a lot of things in the works. And honestly. Don't really know exactly what the future holds, but I just kind of uh, trust God and just kind of go with it. And uh, don't really know. I could, I could show up at Daytona. I mean, you never know. <laughs> that, that would be awesome. I'm heading down to Daytona this February, and if you're in the race for the trucks, I'll, I'll definitely go a day earlier just to go see you race. Oh, well, that'd be perfect. We'll get you hooked up with a hot bath. Oh man, that'd be awesome, man. I, I'll definitely make some switches here at work and. Make my way to Daytona a day, uh, few <laughs> a few days early, if that's the case. Because because uh, the more I just listen to you, the more just I'm you know want to see you succeed and just becoming more and more of a fan of you, just from my point of view. How, what do you feel is your biggest obstacle as far as running more races in the truck and climbing that ladder? What do you feel is your uh, or just in racing general? What do you feel is your biggest obstacle? Yeah, uh, obviously it's. Uh... You know, this is a very financial sport, and I, I, I say I don't really come from a, a big resource you know, background, so uh, that's a big thing for me. But you know, I've been thankful and, and tremendously blessed to work with some partners that have got me opportunities uh, in the past, as well as hopefully in the future. It's one of those things that it's a struggle, but I've had to develop as a driver to where I went from being very hands-on with the car to I still am, but uh, you have the driver persona, but also you have to have this marketing 
and business background to it. And uh, that's something that I've developed tremendously over the years. It's my way of really taking everything I can and honestly getting the most I can with a single dollar. That's something that I've taken from racing on a budget and late models to now taking it to the truck series. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You know, where I can help businesses, you know, grow really on the financial side of things. And, you know, I tell companies I work with, yes, I race and I I drive the truck, but <laughs> that's kind of what I do on the side. The biggest thing I do right now is I become a marketing person, really. You know, I, I have to make sure they get a good return in their investment. And it's taking a little bit away from the racing. It's all a part of the bridge to help me try to get to the top level and, and be a signed driver you know, where you kind of don't have to worry about that and you can kind of focus on driving. <laughs> right. And, and it, so I take take it the higher you go and the more, I guess, nationalized you go in a racing series, the more of a marketing expert you got to be. Cause really, oh, yeah, absolutely. Because really you're associated with that brand. Um, so, I mean, like I'm looking at a master tech I'm, I'm looking mm-hmm. at your hero card. Uh, so, I mean, but, you know, everybody knows you as the master tech driver. And yeah. so you got to make sure to keep a good image for them, I'm sure, and make sure you don't do anything to hinder any <laughs> future issues and keep them coming back and oh, keep absolutely. them happy. And is, absolutely. is that a tough tightrope to walk? You want to do well on the track and you might get mad, but then you do you sometimes stop and think, how this affects a sponsor if you do get mad on the track or do you just kind of let just do your emotions take over? Uh, sometimes. Yes. Uh, I have been, uh, accustomed to, uh, very, very rarely, uh, really let my emotions kind of take over in the moment. For the most part, I'm just, I'm one of those drivers that, you know, I kind of keep a level head, you know, try, try to keep a level head really. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's one of those things that, yeah, you're kind of on a tightrope because, you know, all these different marketing partners, you know, they have their own uh, kind of ways of marketing to their customers and so on and so forth. And you kind of want to ride that line of that best benefits them. But it's tough sometimes because it, it takes away a little bit of your personality and who you are. And, but, you know, honestly, I've kind of taken it on myself to, to really not let me change me really. And, uh, it's one of the things that I tell, I tell other drivers all the time that I can't wait for the opportunity one day to get that ride or get the opportunity where I'm not worried about finding money or, or getting partners and so on in the marketing side of things, because, you know, it, it's like a dream come true where you get to race, but you get to be yourself and you get to be, you know, you see drivers like Clint Boyer and, you know, just kind of let loose and try to be that good old boy and whatnot. And I made the comment about uh, <laughs> basically being a good old Southern uh, version of uh, Ward Burton, really. And uh, it's kind of, oh yeah. And having that kind of mindset, you know, you definitely, you don't want to lose your personality, 
but it's tough sometimes. So, I I mean, that's that's a good way to live by. Do you look at other drivers? You mentioned Clint Boyer and Ward Burden. You, you look at other drivers and try to not emulate them is probably the best word I can find right now. So, but kind of like look at them and say, I could take this from them and or I could take this from Kyle Busch or whoever else. Do you just kind of do that with every driver you come in contact with? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm somebody who I've worked on a, for a long time, uh, especially just kind of coming out of my shell and, and really just being me. And something I, I've taken from other drivers is, you know, having the competitive edge of Kyle Busch, but a fun, laid-back laughter version of uh, a Clint Boyer, really. <laughs> but also, you know, kind of have that fan, family-friendly version of uh, Chase Elliott. Right. You, you kind of take things from other drivers and learn from them, and it's not really piecing together, you know, what you want to be. It's it's letting you really figure out who you really are, and you know, hey, this is something I really like in this person. I can relate to that person, and, but you know, I might not agree in everything with everything else about that person. But you know, this is something I see myself in, and it helps you bring out more of that in your personality, and and really just kind of grow as a driver and grow as a person really okay good i mean that that's good too i mean I, I remember being 21 i'm 33 now and still trying to kind of figure out my way in life it took me years to do that i would say it's a little more high stress in nascar and just racing in general in, in that really competitive world oh absolutely yeah and you know nascar it's it's always been competitive and being in a sport where it's competitive now. It's competitive for you know your own ride, and you know who who can find that almighty dollar, and so on and so forth. And it's it, like I said, just the beginning of my career where I saw the challenges, and I I'm encouraged by it, not discouraged by it. And you got to chase after it. And, you know, definitely you see a lot of drivers that come with a little bit more benefit than others, and it just makes you want to work harder and not try to get discouraged by kind of going back to the mindset that we talked about. Right. And as we said, that that can be somewhat of a butt kicker from time to time from your level. But I I do have this question, and it's something that bugs me as a fan that really wants to get, like, into more truck races and stuff and and watch it. But uh, cup drivers like Kyle Busch coming down to the truck level, how do you personally feel about that being a competitor in the truck series? Um. I like it, honestly. I've always looked at it as a perspective from not just the marketing side of things, but, you know, as a glossy-eyed, dream-catcher kind of driver, if Kyle Busch were to come to Morgan Speedway and race late models with me, I'd love it. And if you couldn't beat him, well, that's your own problem. Get out there, get in the shop, and you get to work. I mean, they're running on the same budget as GMS and Tatori and all these other teams. If you don't like it, too bad. Beat them next time. So I mean, that's how I feel about it. <laughs> I, I, that's a crazy. I would have thought the different uh, because for me as a fan, I look at it as he's taking away the spotlight from people like you trying to make a name for themselves in the series. But as a competitor, you have a completely 180 approach. It's like, yeah, bring him on. If I could be Kyle Bush, I'm one of the best at that point, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's and honestly, a-, a lot of these drivers, if I were to be in a, a GMS role and so on and so forth, if I finish second to Kyle Busch, you know, that's still a win in my book. You know what I mean? So to show other teams and stuff that I'm capable of running with the best, well, here's an opportunity where they bring the best down to you. Let's see what you got. 
honestly, it's just all about how you look at it. And a lot of it also is just uh, as far as coverage goes, uh, you know, yeah, it takes a little bit of line wide away from us, but at the same time, if you know, you're kind of a big fan of the sport, it hurts a little bit. But for someone who isn't really a big fan and you know, doesn't really watch a lot of truck series races and hears Kyle Busch whipping all these kids' tails, it looks kind of bad. So it's kind of a double-edged sword, really. Right. And I've just been curious to wonder what truck drivers think of that because you have your established truck drivers like Matt Crafton, who I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. He's found his home in the trucks. And racing a, a cup driver, a really good cup driver and race car driver in general like Kyle Busch, I feel like it dilutes the water, but that's a good approach to it. I've never even thought about it from a competitor's point of view. Again, I racing, <laughs> I don't do much, but, uh, you know, I got a few more questions here. Uh, just, um, for a race weekend, your typical race weekend, um, how do you prepare for that race? Uh, for me, it's, uh, kind of crazy how I really prepare, uh, differently you know, for late mall racing as well as truck racing. Uh, the truck races, I like to, hydration is such a big thing and being prepared physically is such a big thing in the sport right now. So I really focus a lot on that, getting in the right mindset, really studying the track, studying film. And if I had the opportunity to iRace, I love iRacing. Anybody out there who is trying to race or moving up to the ranks, iRacing is the best thing, really, just because it helped me out so much that when I got into anything called or a truck, arc or whatever it may be that you kind of have the sense of I know the track and it's not like a, a dumb confident thing it starts you off on a little bit higher level than somebody who just kind of shows up and teams have to work with that driver on lift points and all this stuff and you know drags out their day so I really try to focus through doing things such as that so racing is pretty accurate as far as tracks and how the trucks handle and stuff Oh yes, absolutely! Wow, and uh, yeah, it's 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 definitely a, I, I say it's a, a little bit it's a lot more trickier when you know you're dealing with like air and uh, the aerodynamic side of things because it just goes you could have a, a, a downwind uh, going down the back stretch of Daytona and you have to watch the wind because if you pull out and the winds die down or change, you'll lose all momentum and you'll kill yourself and in the sense of things and so that's the but as far as getting to know the track and the feeling of the track the bumps and areas on the track to look forward you know when you're out there it helps out a lot that's awesome i i think we're about out of time here we're you know i have a lot more questions for you but you know we definitely like to have you on later in the future especially uh given your rising star status in my opinion you know just to a little more, I think. I think you can, you know, be up there running with the guys on Sunday. I really do, just based on what I've learned from you. I appreciate it. I hope we can have this conversation again in the future and uh, talk about Daytona. Yeah, I'd like to have you back on. Um, maybe sometime in the season uh, when you run a couple races, maybe contact you afterwards and see how that weekend worked for you, and just get a little more perspective on race weekend. We kind of started this podcast at a weird time towards the end of the season and then definitely uh you race in myrtle beach any next year oh uh, yes yeah i will be uh doing a good bit of racing late models uh down there uh when i'm not off on the circuit but um yeah i will definitely stay in contact and uh i'll be doing a good bit of that yeah yeah i'm preston and i are both planning to 
come up there to Myrtle Beach a few times in 2020. So uh, definitely try to run into you there. Maybe lend a hand, but uh, just help you out some. That'd be great if 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 you if you let us. I, I, again, I <laughs> absolutely. As, like I said, you enjoy uh, all everybody who comes out and helps us out, and you get paid with some good food. So that, that's what matters. Hey, Preston and I are both firefighters. We like eating. <laughs> So, I hear that. So uh, again, uh, Brian, uh, we appreciate you having having you on the show. Uh, thank you for again for taking the time to go through this. Uh, I know you're quite busy over there, especially with the uh, Thanksgiving week coming up. But I appreciate it again, man. And uh, we'll let you know when this comes out. Awesome, thank you. I really appreciate y'all having me on. Hey, no problem. All right, so that was Brian Barnhill again. Thank you, Brian, for taking the time to be here on the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, learned a lot. How do you like Brian? Uh, I thought it was great. A great interview. I mean, we learned all kinds of things. I mean, I we got, I don't even know how long we interviewed him for. I, I, I lost time. Yeah, I, I lost, lost track, track of time I because track it, was time. Just, it was going so well. I don't mind. It could be two hours for all I know. That's the way I see it. That's his time to promote himself. And Yeah, it, we got good insight on a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. And, and I hope definitely the best for him and his future. I definitely became a really big fan of Brian here after talking to him. I'm very thankful he... Yeah. Gave us the times. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I know he was excited to come on the show. I mean, I'm glad that we were trying to help him out as well. I mean, what a he seems like a great guy. I wish I could have met him in person in Darlington, but Yeah, and like I know. said, I only met him real quick. Yeah. And, you know, looking forward to maybe seeing him when we go up to Myrtle Beach here. Yeah. yeah looking forward I, to seeing him again. Definitely. Now that it's uh Thanksgiving week, do you have any plans? Thanksgiving. Um, what what does the Lude family do for Thanksgiving? We'll probably go. Well, it's weird. We got. We usually it's usually busy time when it comes to holidays. We'll we'll go eat at my parents' house, which will be my grandparents as well with them because they live next door to each other. My grandparents live next door to my parents, and then um, we'll probably go to my wife's parents' house. I don't know if it's at their house this year or I think it's their house this year. Usually we have to go like to Columbia for like big Thanksgiving for their her side of the family so it's a pretty full day let's put it that way and then of course Black Friday shopping which I'm no part of my wife does all of that I just stay at home yeah we have a, a full house here we have I think not not including us 14 people are going to be here oh, wow we have in-laws aunts my mom and dad we just have everybody friends yeah. we have no other plans we're going to do the whole deep friend of turkey and all that shenanigans. It's it's going to be a fun week. I don't know if we'll do any of the Black Friday stuff. Do either. you guys always have Thanksgiving here? Or do no, you go we normally we have it up in Caroline's neck of the woods, Winsboro. Okay. Just this year, it was we just decided, and I'm I'm thankful for it because we get off a shift that morning, and I, I'm just kind of thankful that I don't have to come home, change, take a shower, and then drive another two hours. I'm just glad to get to come home, relax eat some good food and hang out with family, drink yeah. a few glasses of wine and maybe a few brewskis with my dad. Watch some football. Watch some football, watch the parade. Just do the whole yeah. tra- uh, Thanksgiving traditions. And then Friday, I think we're just going to maybe go to the James Island Lights. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was thinking about going to that here soon too. But I, I don't know what we're, what the planning is on that. Yeah, it's usually the same for me. Yeah, It's just grandparents' house. Every year, it makes it easier for them. So as long as everybody can come to them, you know. And this episode's coming out Wednesday, so hopefully a lot of people will listen to it while they're on the road. Yeah, to a lot Grandma's of people house. will be on the road. You're right. So I'm hoping that they take this opportunity to listen to it. I feel like that's perfect little put it in there. And yeah, absolutely. Do that. I want to listen to a podcast on the road. But yeah, um, 
want to say thank you again for Brian being on the show. You have anything else before we wrap it up here in this very long episode? No, that's going to just about do it for me at this point. All right. Thank you so much to everybody listening to the show, our 11th episode this week. We really appreciate it. Be sure to follow the show on Facebook at In The Marbles, on Twitter at Marbles In, and then if you search In The Marbles on Instagram, you will find us as well. Also, special shout-out to Bryant Barnhill for being on the show this week. We really appreciate, appreciate him as well. We hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving, and we will talk to you all next week. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, team Ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.